coming to you live from the studios of KZSU at Stanford University. This is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. With me in the studio today is my panel of Stanford students, Topher, Claudia, and Lauren. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hi. And my moms for today, Susan Esterly and a new time mom to the show, Laura Whitman. Hello. Hello. Welcome. We have a great show lined up. A look at how the what we think about the current presidential campaign, and uh, we are going to be getting emails from our listeners. But we begin with a look at our bodies. You know, some things are as true today as they were when I was a kid. Talking openly and honestly about real body issues takes courage. That's why when it comes to pimples and yeast infections and other gross things that happen to our bodies, young women are often in the dark. Our guest today, Nancy Red, says, enough already. Her book, Body Drama, Real Girls, Real Bodies, Real Issues, Real Answers, leaves uh, nothing to the imagination. It's filled with fast facts, drama scenarios, how do I deal answers, and full-color photographs. Nancy Red knows from where she speaks, a Harvard graduate and a recent winner of the Miss America Swimsuit Contest. Our guest today knows firsthand the pressures to be perfect. Welcome, Nancy Red. It's good to have you on the show. Hey, it's great to have be here. Before we begin, I want our listeners to know that later on in the show, we will be giving away a copy of Body Drama. Also, if you have a question for Nancy during our conversation, please send us an email at whatwouldyourmothersay at kzsu.stanford.edu. Okay, Nancy, why did you write this book? What made you write the book? Did it have anything to do with your experiences as a Miss America contestant? Well, it had everything to do with my experiences in general as a woman. You know, you evolve and you change how you feel about yourself and what you look like and what you think. But at the root of it, I still felt very uncomfortable with the lack of information that was out there, not only for myself, but for other young women who didn't necessarily have as many resources as I did. When I had a problem, you know, finally, by the time I got to college, I had a women's studies program that I could go to for real advice, and I had a free health center that I could go to with any concerns anonymously. Uh, but not everybody has these opportunities, and they just live in shame and fear and frustration. I wanted to give girls a reality check. and So, yeah, it totally stemmed from my personal feelings of shame and embarrassment, and I don't want anyone to go through that. Well, can you explain the title, Body Drama? <laughs> well, I'm sure your Stanford students can tell you that the word drama is used a lot by teenagers in our age. Um, and so I thought that I didn't want to use body issues because you um, already have so many connotations in your mind when you hear that word. I didn't want to, I just kind of wanted to have a fresh approach. So I, I came at it from the way, whenever I'm fighting with my girlfriends, it's like, stop the drama. Or whenever you're looking for a roommate on Craigslist, it's like, no drama, okay? <laughs> so I just wanted to come at it with the idea of body drama. Okay, well, one qu- more question before I turn it over to the panel. What were the most common misconceptions that you found during your research? You know, the funniest thing, when girls have an opportunity to talk, they will talk and say the most candid issues. And I always thought I was the only one that really worried about what her vulva looked like, and I thought I was really gross and weird for that. But when you get young women to talking, everybody has so many issues about whether it's okay, whether it's too dark, whether it's too flappy, whether it's too stinky. And one of the funniest things is whether it's feminine enough, which is so strange when a girl's like, I don't think I look like a girl down there. Well, then you look about as girl as you possibly can. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, um, well, I have to. I'm I'm a mom, and uh, I do have I did have a chance to look through your book because we have one right here, and I um, have looked at it a little earlier, and I was sort of struck by the um, extremely graphic nature of the photos, and 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 I was almost wondering if there was an element of shock value to that. In you know, as you, uh, I'm wondering, you know, what you were sort of going for with that, because the same information could be disseminated, so to speak, uh, with, um, you know, an ext- a, a, a less graphic uh, presentation. For example, the one page that's just got, you know, I think uh, about 12 different vulva shots. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, how did you decide to have that be your sort of angle? Well, we live in a graphic society. Young women, whether we want to believe it or not, are bombarded with airbrushed and surgically altered pornography all the time. And in the 272 pages, there are like 12 that have um, extreme graphic nudity. And they're usually like a boob or a vulva or an STI, a sexually transmitted infection. And I wanted to show women what reality looks like because they're getting the alternate. They're seeing you know, whether they're looking for it on the internet or whether it's just popping up on their screen. They're seeing airbrushed and not real pictures. And if we don't just kind of get with the times and realize that if we don't present normal, natural bodies, they're never going to know what they actually look like. So I do understand sometimes um, moms are like, oh, my God. (laughs) But once you get over it and once you kind of realize that this is what healthy looks like, because we talk so much about loving your body and, uh, and, you know, loving yourself and having self-esteem, if you don't know what normal is, it's really difficult to fully grasp that idea. Nancy, I'm a male student, and, and I can say men have their body anxieties, too. Until we're 25, we want to look older. After we're 25, we want to look younger. We worry about body hair in the right places, whether, we're, whether size matters downstairs. And if there, were to be a, if there were to be a book like this for men, how would it be different, in your opinion? Well, I am not a dude, so I would do a lot of research <laughs> into what that book would be. I wrote Body Drama because I'm a girl, and so I totally get it, you know? Well, I'm asking, and how do you think body anxiety is different for men than for women in society? I, if you, it, well, just off the top of my head, I think that men kind of have a little more room. You, you've still got the stereotypical cute nerd that every girl wants to date because he's also shy and adorable with his little glasses and his hoodie. <laughs> but with girls, it's not so, you know, it's not so quote-unquote attractive or cool to date the, quote, nerd, even though most of us, myself included, grow up, you know, being, being the girl who's not the perfect, you know, the perfect supermodel. And with guys, I think you just have a little bit of extra room to not feel so perfect, whereas nowadays, from the age of 12, you're expected to have a push-up bra and expensive clothes and a perfect figure with no pimples and bleached hair, and it's just, you're, and, you know, and I'm sure that the girls on the, on the panel can probably attest, you're expected just to be waxed and to be shaven and to be polished, whereas guys, they don't have as much manscaping, though it is getting worse. Well, what uh, uh, I, I wish our listeners could see some of these pictures um, because they they really are very graphic. And you know, in addition to the pictures, there's a lot of uh, I'm, I'm going to sound a little prudish here, but I'm going to call it gross information in your book. You know, sweating, body odors, boobs, infections, unseemly hair growth, you name it. Nancy, was there ever any point at which you hesitated and said, "Hmm, should I really write about this?" Well, it's like she who smelt it dealt it. By writing about it, it's like admitting that I deal with some of this stuff. So at first, I was talking to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. I was like, is this 
do you think I'm going to just like totally be embarrassed for the rest of my life? He was like, well, you know, if you can put it out there, then maybe someone, you'll save someone else from a life of shame. And the coolest thing was when Gail King on her Oprah and Friends radio show just busted out and started talking about underwear skid marks and how, like, she was so excited to see that in there. Not, that, you know, because it was a problem people deal with. And, you know, to talk about ingrown hairs and to talk about razor burn and to talk about back pimples and to talk about bad breath and dandruff and all the crap that we deal with. But we're taught to ignore it or to hide it or to feel really like you're the only one. And I just didn't think that's fair because what ends up happening is girls have these issues and they don't get the help they need for them. So they consume their minds and they do all sorts of things to try to make themselves feel better, and that's not cool. Well, Nancy, I'm a student. I'm Claudia. I was just wondering how um, it was that you decided to put some of those topics on there because, I mean, as a teen or young adult, um, I know that a lot of those issues are not issues I ever discuss with my girlfriend, so I can't see how you would have approached a woman and asked something like that or how you chose oh those issues specifically. Well, what, yeah, it's, it's actually it's a great question because what I did is when I came up with the book idea, I jotted down all the stuff that I never wanted to talk to my girlfriends about. And then I just kind of stalked chat rooms <laughs> and I looked to see what the other girls were asking in the secretive like world of the internet, right? And the questions were so candid and gross and raw and sad and scared. And the answers they were getting were really stupid <laughs> and, and unhelpful and misguided. And I realized that they're, this is the only place they have to go. Because the stuff in this book, I wasn't asking my mom. You know, now I do because, like, now she knows all my business. <laughs> but um, absolutely, I certainly wasn't going up to girls, hey, tell me all about your poo problems. You know, but what I did is I looked on message boards to see what they were asking. And they're asking these questions, and they're getting the incorrect information because they're too ashamed to go to the doctor or to go to their parents. And they needed the answers. So I wanted something medically accurate and fun. Well, so they just, you just can breathe a sigh of relief and not feel like you're the only person dealing with this. You are listening to What Would Your Mother Say? Our guest today is Nancy Red, winner of a Miss America swimsuit contest and author of the new book, Body Drama. Uh, hi, uh, my, Nancy. My name is Susan. I'm a mom. Um, and when you mentioned earlier, uh, your answer to the, the the depiction of sort of fairly graphic pictures, then I actually really liked your answer that they're not airbrushed, they're not made beautiful, and they're, they sort of fly in the face of our cu- cultural stereotypes of, you know, the polished beauty, which, of course, is impossible. But it's a funny, it's almost, uh, it's almost sort of logically um, incompatible the, to love your body for all its flaws, yet to offer all these cures for the flaws, you know, like here's what you do to cure pimples, and here's how you shave properly, and, and, and so, and I, and, and sort of there's like this push-pull between kind of the feminist, um, you know, what we need to get the world to understand that women can't be these polished beauties, and then also in the same book, uh, the inclusion of all the things you can do to try to become more uh, like that uh, uh, impossible ideal. So I wondered whether you could comment on that. Of course. The thing is, you can't expect, I mean, it's, it's, you can't take a 0% tolerance strategy towards helping young women love and accept their bodies. I mean, if, you, if I were to, like, look at someone, you know, in the, in the eye and say, you know, 
wearing makeup is totally buying into the status quo, <laughs> so you really shouldn't wear makeup at all, they're not going to listen to a thing I say. And that would be hypocritical because I love wearing makeup. I love wearing pretty clothes. I like getting all dolled up. But that doesn't have to be your only choice. And it's important to think about why you're doing these things. If you're doing it because you think that's the only way anyone's going to like you, then that's you know not very good. Um, if you're doing it because it's fun and you enjoy it, but at the same time, occasionally you like to slub around in your scrubs, that's totally great. But the important thing is to understand how to do these things properly and how to take care of yourself and to know the background behind it. Like a big thing for young women is uh, pubic hairstyling, right? And so they, there's nothing out there. Uh, that excuse me, Nancy. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, one of the one this of is a new a new thing a new concept. <laughs> well, exactly. The a old lot, are, on the panel. There are a lot of issues in the past ten years that have come up that I think that it's kind of like moms are like la 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 la, piercing, tattooing, um, pubic hairstyling, all sorts of things are just issues that young women face today. And if you can either ignore them or give them the information they need to make sure these things are done safely and properly and for the right reasons. I specifically offer um, very emotional-based information in, this, in each drama that I talk about, especially with pubic hair selling. If you're thinking that you want to get waxed because you think it would be cool and fun, that's awesome. But if you're doing it because it's the only way your boyfriend will date you, that's a bad situation to be in. And unfortunately, it's quite common. I get emails from girls, you know, my boyfriend thinks that's, I'm gross down there. Um, hair is disgusting. He thinks I'm like a caveman. What do I do? I get razor bumps when I shave. And this is a very common sentiment. And it's, it's just, it's real and it's sad. And we've just got to be honest and open about it and start discussions. Well, do you think that the book is appropriate for all ages? Well, I, when I came with the book idea, my body issues really started when I, when I was about 12. And I started developing and changing, and I was really confused because I didn't look like the pencil drawings. <laughs> and I saw, nothing, I saw nothing else but a cartoon. Uh, so I, I thought about the book from ages 12 to 19. But then a lot of women come to me, and it's really funny, and they're just like, well, I learned stuff that I didn't know. I'm a mom of four kids, and I still didn't know this information. So it's for whoever thinks they can get some, something out of it. I mean, a lot of women want to show it to their sons so they can have a reality check as to what to expect from a woman. Because, hey, they're going to see something. They're going to find it. They might as well see something real. But we're <laughs> almost out of time. Do you have some final tips for the readers or final comments for the readers of your book, Body Drama? I guess just to let go of the shame and to open your mind to the possibility that there's no one real ideal. And we just got to band together and try to fight what the media wants us to believe, that you have to have, you know, everything in place to be to feel good about yourself at all times. And just to kind of go with the flow, get to know who you are, and get the help that you need when you have an issue. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Great book. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Nancy Red, former Miss America finalist and author of Body Drama. You can find the book on Amazon.com or at your local bookstores. It's time for a quick break. I'm Susan Morris. We are going to be coming back and continuing our conversation on body basics. You're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? We will be right back. Coming to you from KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. If you're just joining us, here in the studio with me is my panel of Stanford students, Topher, Claudia, and Lauren. 
Hello. Hi. And mothers Susan Esterly and Laura Whitman, a first-time member of our panel. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. We've been talking to author Nancy Redd, a former Miss America contestant. Nancy's book, Body Drama, as you can all see from the copy on the table, is a is a graphic look at women's bodies and talks about everything from body odor to unseemly hair growth to vagina discharge. All right, panel, what are the pros and cons of a book that is like a manual that includes such close-up pictures? Is it a turn-off or is it, is it helpful? Lauren? Well, I think I think it's a little bit of both, to be really honest. The graphic nature of some of the pictures is a little disturbing, but I think that really hits uh, the point of um, sexual health home very well in the picture of uh, some of the STIs that are depicted in the book. It's definitely something that you don't see typically, and if you if you do see it, it will dissuade you and, and uh, make you take better care of yourself, I think. But Well, Lauren, did you find as a student that these that uh, Nancy read topics that you don't normally talk about among your friends? Most definitely. I don't talk with my girlfriends about a lot of the things that are covered in that book. I don't know what you think, Claudia. But I mean, like, with some of my really, really close girlfriends, like, there's certain topics that will come up, but it's very far in between that anything like that is asked. Like, we don't even talk, I don't know, like, sex issues and stuff like that. Laura, when you were a, a, a college kid, did you talk about these issues? Well, we talked about some of them, but not nearly so much as what's included in the book. And I have to say, as a mother who's also a biologist, I very much approve of some of the things that are raised in the book. I think it's well done and can provide a lot of useful information. But as a mom, some of it is a bit shocking. Um, the vulva piercings are rather surprising to me. I can't imagine why someone would want to do such a thing and whether they'd actually discuss it with their friends. I want to get right to the point of the show. What would your mother say to one of the mothers if your daughter comes home, she's 14, she's read this book, she says, i got to look hot to the guy. I love my body, but i got to look hot to the guys. i got to get dyed hair and a tramp stamp or some absurd oh, no. thing Can like I this. What are you, guys, what are you going to say? Are you going to say, love your body if you feel good, go do it? Or are you going to say, this is demeaning to you and this is insecure? I'm Susan saying, Esterly, what? Oh, sorry, Laura. I'm saying absolutely not. Why? Why would you say that? I think it's... A really bad idea um, because I think it's a bad it it's not what you really want to do with your body and it's not something that you can change later on I think doing things that are permanent to your body such as a tramp stamp such as vulva piercings which have a very high rate of infection is not a good thing to do and I would strongly discourage her from doing it and frankly at 14 I would prohibit her from doing it and at 18 when she could theoretically do it of her own selection I would strongly discourage it. Susan when you were young were you ever tempted to do something that your mother would consider um, a no-no? Oh (laughs) no I mean with your body with your body. Oh with my body you mean in terms of Tattooing. Uh, tattooing. Or, no, or. I was never interested in tattooing. I remember I wanted to pierce my ears and I could at age 13, and, and I did. But my mom took me to my pediatrician to do it. You know, <laughs> it was, you know, oh my support of health. Yeah, support that. But, you know, I want to answer Tover's question because my answer is a little different um, in that I think that what I would say to my daughter is when you're 18, it's your body and you do what you want. And hopefully I will have taught her my sort of angle on that stuff and she notices I don't have that but I'm a different person than she is and I do believe that she would I mean the reason why the law is for 18 is because I guess you know our general society believes an 18 year old can make a choice like that and I support her making a choice like that Mm -hmm. 
Well, I want to go back and talk about where we do get information about personal things and how it compares with the moms and what we went through. I mean, Lauren, where where do you get your information other than from books like this? Oh, well, I, I guess if I if I had a pressing question, I would talk to my close friends about it. Uh, would you or, really? or my physician. I mean, for a lot of these body-related topics, I think it's... It's a good point that people are embarrassed to talk to their doctors. I think about a lot of really important things that they should feel comfortable talking about. But well, I, think I think that, with, excuse me for interrupting, oh. but I think doctors don't want to talk to you about certain things. <laughs> That's really? Uh-huh. I mean, get a new doctor. Get I mean, in, get you out, go to yeah. a great doctor, a great gynecologist who doesn't shy away from that stuff. It can be, you know, that yeah. can really be tremendous. And yeah. I recommend people, you know, shop around for one. Definitely. Well, and I, I think also uh, as a student, our generation is much more uh, preoccupied with the internet and the anonymity that comes with that. Yeah. Why would you go to Barnes and Noble and, and you know maybe pick up a book that might be a little embarrassing to <laughs> take to the you know cash register when you could just search online? Say you know there are many websites like Go Ask Alice at Columbia. I know houses one that's all about like sexual health and body image and all of that. that you but and, and I mean, hospitals, like, I mean, I know Kaiser has their own website and everything's just much more available. You can email your doctor. I mean, that's much less personal than having to go and see them face to face and say, I think this, or I have a question about an infection. I mean, can you imagine when I was growing up, I'm the oldest person at this table that you didn't talk to your friends about this and you didn't talk to your doctor you didn't have a gynecologist and you didn't have the internet i mean it was uh, very victorian well it does sound victorian doesn't it and i remember when i was 12 and i thought it was interesting that back then the the period the age where i would have wanted to know the answers to some of these things was 12 and it's still 12 um but it was it was scary that you didn't know what was happening. I knew about menstruation, but I certainly didn't know about much else. Uh, Susan, I want to get some advice as a, from a young man's perspective, some advice from the, the women at the table. Men deal with, the, of all ages, but especially at this young age, we deal with, with women and girlfriends and everything saying, oh, do you think I look fat? Do you think this looks good on me? And things like this. And there are times, obviously, you never, ever make a, a comment about a woman's weight. But the issue is there are some times when I want to say, no, you're flat wrong. Like my eye, my hair looks weird. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It looks great. I, I like it like that. This is great. But there are other times I want to say, you know what? You shouldn't be insecure about this issue, even if even if it is something that you think is un- that she thinks is unattractive, and it is. I want to say, don't worry about it. Don't be insecure about this. How are we supposed to balance this? You're never supposed to say anything but I love you and you look great. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, actually, a friend related an anecdote the other day. He says, you know, it turns out cute is not the opposite of fat. Because his, girl, his girlfriend said, does this, does, this, does this make me look fat? He goes, no, no, honey, you look cute. And she's like, no, no, that's not the, cute. You think of cherubs or so just saying for all the men listening out there, cute is not the opposite of fat. But. And, and I can tell you from um, not the, the mom's perspective, but my, the husband of, the, of a mom, my husband says, you can't answer that question. There is no answer that any man can ever provide to do I look fat and it's best to just move on well but I would like to say I'm um, I'm from a mom's perspective at my old age here I think we should have the wisdom not to ask I mean <laughs> come on yeah you know why I, I don't think we should ever ask that of anyone we, you know we're our own people and we do what you know we wear what we want and we do what we want and we have mirrors if we really want to check it out Susan I think you're a woman of a certain age I think that these questions and concerns start I don't know why but at 12 on 
and we don't a lot of people don't have that self-confidence that self-esteem that we look at our bodies and we say what is is and it's okay it, it's just hard it's not like that i mean i try to explain it to my brother because he he's younger and he asks about his girlfriend i i think that or at least from what I've seen with my girlfriends and myself, like no matter what we look like, I don't think we're ever really happy with the way we look. There's always something like my butt or my thigh or my knee or whatever that you're not going to be happy with. Well, sure. But don't you think if everyone has that experience, we can have some empathy for one another and recognize that, you know, that's how we all are. It is the human condition. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very sad that the number one question that, women or girls often ask us, do I look fat in this? As opposed to coming out in your fabulous outfit and saying, don't I look wonderful in this? Or doesn't it look great on me? Or don't you love the, the color or the cut or the something? It's only about, do I look fat? I think like, that, that brings so up, more. I think that brings up an interesting point that I see at bars and clubs and stuff. And men often get this advice from women, which is it's not what you have. It's what you do with it. For sure, exactly. but uh, but it's the same with women. It's if you you know if you have a little hanging out down here, maybe you don't wear a midwiff exposing top or something. But there are ways, whether you think you're fat or not, or whether you're a little bigger or a little smaller, to dress and to present yourself in a way where you look confident, you look happy, well, and you like to be but, around people. And those are the response, people that other people want to be around. Right. But in response to what you said about coming out and saying that, I I mean that sounds wonderful, but I know that then you come off as being like full of yourself, which you. You do get critiqued for that then they're like oh you just sounded cocky or whatever but i i do think that confidence is the most important thing you put on every morning when you get up and i think that uh you do, know, do, does reading what you're a wearing. book like that make you feel confident i uh, makes <laughs> no <laughs> makes me a little uncomfortable makes you uncomfortable just no i wondered bit. about whether a book that, that that's that graphic mm. does make you feel good about different things uh you know the the hair growth and the pimples and the stuff what do you think i wondered about that myself because i think it's trying to validate young women's insecurity but i think you asked the question yeah. uh susan that maybe it does the opposite maybe it makes them think that oh this is how i got to solve this problem i got more problems to solve it raises a, a, a thousand more questions in some ways it's like oh I, I have never even thought about you know, grooming my pubic hair. Maybe I should start <laughs> thinking of worrying about that too, because I, you know, now I've read it in this book, and apparently it's something that other girls are worried about. So I should get moving on. That. Get with it. Yeah, get with the times. Apparently. Oh, uh, you are listening to what would your mother say? And our panel here is Stanford students Topher, Lauren, and Claudia, and mothers Laura and Susan. If you would like to join the conversation on the show, give us a call at six five zero seven two three nine zero. One oh. We uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and we're going to be going to our emails. I'm Susan Morris, and you're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? We will be right back. Coming to you live from the studios of KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. Here with me in the studio is my panel of students, Topher, Lauren, and Claudia, and mothers Susan Esterly and Laura Whitman. If you're just tuning in, this is when the panel turns into Ann Landers and offers advice to our listeners. We have one from a sophomore, and she writes... My boyfriend will occasionally tell me how I need to lose weight. Sometimes he makes comments about how he wants to have sex with someone else. But other times he says really sweet things, and such as, I'm the reason that he gets up in the morning. 
These mixed messages are really hard for me to deal with, but I don't want to break up with them. Well, panel, why do people stay with losers? Can you tell me? I mean, I've never stayed with a loser, so I can't tell you that. (laughs) Well, I think this, excuse me, I'm jumping ahead. My reaction to someone who's giving such mixed messages. Dump him. Dump him. But why do people not dump someone who says to them? Because you love the person. Oh, and no, I, no I, think, I think that's that actually really does happen with young girls. Like, I was in a long term relationship, and um, he did occasionally make random comments, and my mom obviously was like, dump him, but I couldn't. It wasn't until I was ready to take that step. I, my mom could have talked until hell froze over, and I wouldn't have done it. Until. And do you think it was a lack of self confidence that you stayed with someone who was putting you down? No, I mean, and it wasn't like he did it every day or anything, but like you all, there's, cause you, you, we're hearing the bad part of this, but we don't know if when she is having, um, stress or something, he's always there at her side and we don't know the nice stuff he does for her. So we can't really judge. I think one piece of advice that could be in that book we talked about earlier is there's very little, very little can go wrong if you get out of something too early. A lot can go wrong if you stay in it for too long. Oh, but there's, you know, what what happens if you get out of something too early and it turns out it would have been pretty great if you hung in there and handled the ambiguity for a while? Good I think point. In, in her That's- case, I mean, because I mean, I don't know when he's saying this, like, is it during a fight that he's even then? I don't think it's very nice, but I'm sure if it's during a fight, she could be saying something back that could be as just as insulting so if he so in other words there are two sides to every story right and so it depends when he's saying this or whatever so she has to use her own judgment i think by the time someone is articulated should i break up with someone they've usually (laughs) made the decision that they need to end it yeah Uh, well now we have a caller on the line irene yes hi um i wanted to make a comment regarding um the comment that the male participant made on the last topic, that he said that uh, um, he's not interested in the election because he's looking for a job abroad. And my point that I want to make is that um, I think the president, the what president we're going to have next, will you know will have an impact on the entire world. Um, and definitely, if you're in a different country, it's going to impact how people react towards you and your safety. So I think it is definitely um, in your best interest to really care about what president comes next, even if you're not going to be you know, living in this country. Well, I, I think I, that sort of came out in reverse the way I said it. What I was saying, thank you for the call, Irene, was that I'm looking at things, independent of the presidential election, I'm looking at opportunities outside the United States. I think in a more excited election season, I'd be more concerned about being in my country and being very close to it. As it is, I'll fill out the absentee ballot, keep track of it, I'll do my political duty, but I'm not going to keep a close eye and I'm not going to let it keep me here if I have opportunities elsewhere. Irene, how do you think our, our, the rest of the world looks at us right now? Um, well, I think they're interested to see what's going to happen. Um, I think they're definitely rooting for for a Democratic candidate, uh, whoever that's going to be. But um, I think, you know, I have several friends abroad, and they're very interested in the election. Well, thank you for calling. It was good to have your call. Thank you. Well, I'm going to, uh, we have a, a therapist on the, at the table, Susan, and this question um, about go, getting counseling uh, is right up your alley. And, and uh, the 
the uh, student writes, my doctor has referred me to a counselor to help me deal with some depression issues, but I'm afraid to go. Something is holding me back. I'm not sure what. Do you have any suggestions as to how I can make the first step? It scares me to the point of nausea. Uh, okay. Well, I think the, that's a common feeling, and she is not alone, this uh, this writer. Is it a woman or a... a it's a woman. Okay. Uh, I think one of the things that, you know, as a referring physician, if you're a referring physician out there, it's always nice to give somebody a list of at least three names, because I think that when you get a list of three names, then you're sort of in the driver's seat, and you can say, well, I'm going to check these people out and see if one of them works for me. And I think that if you go into, you know, making that phone call uh, with the attitude that you're sort of interviewing the therapist and, and that you are kind of are the one in the upper hand, then I think it makes it a lot less frightening. I think when a doctor just hands you one name and you feel like your fate is sealed and you either call them or not, it doesn't work as well. So I would, I would, you could give that person a call and, uh, consider yourself interviewing that therapist and, you know, I like to think of myself as a fantastic therapist, but certainly not everyone who comes and sees me for a session sticks with me, and that's just how it is. And same for uh, any any number. What about the the idea of sharing really personal problems and issues with a complete stranger? We just talked about that with the anonymity of the Internet and body questions. <laughs> you mean you think we should have uh, psychologists who are on the Internet and you, you just type in your question? No, well, because <laughs> you, I think you need that empathy. I mean, I... I I've been in this situation and it is hard. It's hard to open up, especially when you don't know what your own issues are and you're going with, with no idea, but it's important that if she's going to help herself, that she at least give it a try. And as, and, a, as a parent, I would hope that my child would be able, if they aren't able to come to me to ask a question, to seek the help that they really need and to go out there and get it. Well, well I, oh, no, I mean, Laura, I think I think we all agree that it's really important to go. But the first time is so scary. And saying that it's good to, to go is... Um, well, I think you I, could well, bring a friend make, with you. If you right. If you, you wanted to bring friend? a friend, I think that if okay. she's comfortable you with mean that. sit in with you? No, 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 no. <laughs> I like go to the office with her uh, and then and hold your hand while you cross the street and go over to the doctor's office. Do you think that would that really make a difference? I think it would. I I feel more comfortable when my mom comes with me to the doctor, like things like that. And so, I mean, it's well, up then, to her. I, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think as a as a veteran of this kind of thing myself, I think if if you've got something that you're that you know, if you have things troubling you and you're nervous about it, I think the best thing you can do in some cases is to roll with the cathartic punches. And that means if you want to bring a barf bag, bring some <laughs> tissues, if you want to cry it out in your first visit with the therapist, go ahead and do that. Because if that's going to get you forward to the point where you can talk about these things that you don't want to talk about, I think it's worth it. Well, how do you find out where a counselor is coming from? I heard a story once about a couple going to a counselor for marital counseling. And, you know, after five minutes of talking, the counselor said, have you two thought about getting a divorce? <gasps> yeah. And, I mean, you, you, you know, you don't want to go in and have somebody say something like that to you about well, whatever your issue might be. If the first question isn't, why don't you tell me why you're here, then there might be something going on. If the therapist seems goal-oriented, like you're going to be a feather in the research cap, I get nervous and leave. Well, and I think the reverse is true, that when you're going to see a counselor, your first question needs to be, what type of counseling do they do? What's their outlook? What's their prognosis for how long counseling usually lasts? Are they someone who likes to work with a patient for five years, or are they someone who says, you know, it's a behavioral issue, and I think we can, you know, 10 weeks, and you'll be ready to go. 
Well, that kind of goes I, along with what I was saying, where when you, part of what's so scary is that, you know, you're so showing up and you feel like they're in the driver's seat, but really you are the consumer and, you know, any, I mean, that kind of viewpoint is totally an empowering viewpoint because, you know, not everyone is the right match for you. Not everyone is fantastic. And go in there, be a consumer. If someone feels right and it's good, great. As soon as it doesn't, bring it up. Something to talk about with the, the, the therapist. And, you know, if it isn't really working, find another one. So the first interview or session could be an interview session where you, mm-hmm. you say, I'd like to talk to you about the possibility of my That's com- correct. Coming I to think you. so. And I'd like to think that you would have a gut feeling about whoever you meet with, that if you, you're going to have a connection with this person or not. So I think if you could just get up the courage to go to that first session, then you'll have a good feeling. And know. one final tip in my mind, anyone who's going to go to therapy for the first time should rent Bill Murray's film, What About? Bob, where a completely neurotic, multiphobic man becomes a smashing success while ruining his therapist's life. Uh, it's a hilarious, hilarious movie, and it's pretty eye-opening to this field. So always maintain a sense of humor in these kinds of things. Okay, well, we have, we're leaving early tonight, so I want to quickly run by our last email with you. It's um, from a law student, and he writes, if you think you want to marry someone, but your relationship with them is going really badly at the present, is it best to break up and try to find them later or really work at trying to work things out oh that's such a hard question well does she want to marry him is it a he or she writing i'm just it's a he who who sent me this email today well as a parent i would tell them that gut instincts just like in therapists are also very very important with whom you're with and Marriage is tough, and it takes a lot of work to have a marriage be successful over the years. And if you're already having problems before you're even married, that's a really strong sign that perhaps this is not the right place for you. Because the the courtship period is supposed to be that's presumably the, the easiest. Absolutely. You know. It just gets harder. But now, Lauren, why do you say it's so hard? Well, I think that there is a lot of pressure on people to live this cookie cutter life. And like, there are these milestones where if you, if you haven't found your significant other by this time, you know, you're lagging. And I I can understand how someone maybe who's looking to graduate law school and thinks he's found the girl, maybe should I, should I seal the deal? I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) Because he might be feeling the pressure as women do that. Oh, I'm getting older. Well, it's time for us to end because the uh, basketball team is going to be coming on shortly. Uh, I want to thank our panel for coming on tonight. It was uh, good to have you all here. Thank Thank you. Thank you. And I want to tell you, our guest next Thursday is Neil Strauss, the author of The Game. And if you have a question for him, you should send it in to whatwouldyourmothersay at kzsu.stanford.edu. We will be giving away copies of his book. And you can qualify by giving us a call during the show. He has a new book out called The Style Life Challenge, Master the Game in 30 Days. Thank you all for your emails. We love hearing from our listeners. If you have a question or a concern, send us that email. And let us know if you'd like to be on the show. Um, Thank you again, Topher, Laura, and Claudia. Laura, Claudia, Susan, and Susan. (laughs) Um, The momism for the week, no matter what, your mom will always love you. For the record, the opinions you hear on What Would Your Mother Say don't represent those of KZSU or Stanford University. Today's show is put together with help from Stacey Noble and Matt Rubin. The production assistant is Roz Fadiman Gold Anwudi. 
The engineer for today's show is Mark Lawrence. The assistant producer is Susanna Montez. Our producer is Sarah Buer. That's it for tonight. You've been listening to What Would Your Mother Say? Thanks for joining us. See you next week, same time, same station. And remember, call your mom. I'm Susan Morris.